So I should warn you that, uh, well, I've had two chairs break on me tonight uh. trying to sit at my desk. Well, you know, <laughs> chairs aren't going to break themselves. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. We bought all these chairs at the same time, roughly. And I'm wondering if that's maybe the situation. Either that or I just need to lose some weight, which I do <laughs> need to do. But I don't know if I've reached the this chair is not rated for my size point i don't think i'm at that point uh so it's like one of those like you buy um you know the the factory has 40 machines but then they all so there's redundancy but then they all fail in the same week simultaneously yeah because you bought them all on the same on the same day yeah and they all have the same flaw and or usage lifetime well as far as i can tell with these chairs because this is not the first time we've had some issues with them they, they were not like uh all that expensive uh, they were kind of like they're they're like those knockoff Euro Saarinen you know chairs that everyone likes, and uh, they you know you you buy them and then you you screw them together yourself uh, with like the little tools they give you. It's 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 from a place called uh, Cost Plus World Market, which is I, I think just maybe in this area, but um, they they're good. They're they're nice chairs or whatever. I'm kind of over them, but they. they 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 tend to like the screw like one or two of the screws over time over time will just like loosen. And so I sat down in one of the two chairs and it appears one of the screws had fallen mm, off yeah. and I, I don't know where it is. So the chair just fell, right? Yeah. Then I sat down on the, so I grabbed the other chair and I put that at my desk and I sat down on that one and I was kind of getting ready. And then all of a sudden another point of the chair on that one suddenly got loose and the, and the screw like, you know, streamed out to the other side of the room and just leapt out. Yeah. And the chair went down. So... Yeah, I'm just saying, if I all of a sudden, uh, to you out there and, and to you, Ellen, if I all of a sudden, if you hear me shriek, it's probably because I've fallen and, and hopefully I can get up. But uh, <laughs> well, if not, it'll make a dramatic end to episode six of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> the last episode. <laughs> That's true. These like Eero Saarinen chairs. I don't. Yeah. I, I like kind of modernist 60s style furniture, even though. It's so expensive to get like the real authorized stuff. Um, but we have a couple of that, like this designer, I'm like Googling, looking at, I, I assume his, cause it's sixties designer. So Euro, Euro Sarnin was a his, yeah, yeah. Was, I think Finnish. Yeah, okay. sure. That makes sense. Um, and one of them, one of the chairs that comes up is the, the ones that we have in our, the Noel Euro Sarnin. And we have a couple of those in our, our office and they're cool little. Oh Yeah. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I mean that's not the one we have. We have you know the one that you see everyone have the kind of plastic one. You know, the tulip, like a tulip one that has a pedestal. Yeah, no, without the but without the um, armrests, the one that doesn't have the armrests. Oh, you don't want the armrests. No, like at a kitchen table, who wants armrests on your hands? <laughs> it works as a good as a good one for our dining room table mostly. But then we also got them as office tables. Sure, and then it's not as good because they no periodically self destruct, self destruct. But also, they're not the right height, and uh, you know, ergonomically speaking, like sitting in them for a long time is not really probably ideal. It took me a while to come around, like the full three sixty, seven twenty, like go all the way around twice to go from <laughs> <laughs> to go from like okay, not even thinking about office chairs to having a experience with the Aeron chairs, which was like the original uh, dot com super fancy chair, which uh was it I did um my first like stint as a work experience in a 
tech office. They had these Aeron chairs. And so I was like, for a week or two or whatever, as my programming, I had this Aeron chair. And I'm like, that's amazing. I want to always have those in my future. And then when I realized they were like $1,500, I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. So it's just like a scam. And there must be equally good chairs that are way cheaper. And then sort of, sort of over the 15 or 20 years later of my career i went then back around again to yeah you have to spend a thousand dollars if you want a chair that actually adjusts uh to the various people who might sit in it uh and they're gonna sit in it for eight or ten hours a day for most of their life that uh yeah you get actually that amount of value out of the difference in between that and ikea potentially self-combusting chair (laughs) yeah i mean i i remember it was always the either the ceo or my boss, like somebody at m- most of my early jobs, like somebody fancy had that chair. Mm, yeah. Like the Aeron and I, I never did. Um, so I think I have had one once. I don't have one right now at work. I have a nice chair. It's not that chair, though. I feel like that it was that mesh thing, you know, it was like breathable. Well, the Aeron, I think, was the popularized the breathable stuff. And then you can get now from this sort of Office Depot um, level all the way up to even substantially fancier than the the Aeron. Now you can get the $2,500 Ultra ones um, that have that that breathable. But we have, at Steam Clock, we have the kind of not quite as fancy as the Aeron, but like two-thirds of the way, three-quarters of the way, just the Mira 2 one. doesn't have, not quite as fancy, but it, it has the key adjustable things that you sort of need for different people maybe sitting in it. Um, and the thing, the rule I always had, or at least I always felt like I should have the same chair like I shouldn't have a fancier chair than the rest of the team. Like, well, I agree with you. And, and looking back on it now, it's like that was a weird choice that those people made in the past. But uh, you know, maybe it was a different era. I don't know, or maybe they were just jerks. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, also you can one thing you can fall backwards into that is if you somehow like inherit one fancy chair, and then there's like an office move or whatever, and then it's like, oh, okay, well, who gets the fancy one? But I, I yeah. don't know. It's a power play. Yeah, not a fan. Not a fan of the power. It's a, it's a little weird. Shows of dominance in office culture is not mine. <laughs> Maybe it's just not no. for me. Maybe that's. Uh... Maybe it's just not for you. Well, so I meant to bring this up last time, uh, and I just want to talk about it for one second. All I want to do is say to you, "How dare you, sir?" Because you wrote a little piece for your site. I believe it was called "No More Opatu." Yes. And it made me so sad. Oh, that did that make you sad? It made me so sad, like in the good way. Yeah. I was kidding about how dare you. Like, but I really, like, I am a person who, like, I don't, I get really sad, like, at the end of Winnie the Pooh. I get really <laughs> sad at the end of Toy Story 2. Oh. You know, like, I, like, that whole idea of, like, children growing up is is so sad. So this is the article I wrote that talks about how, you know, as a parent or someone who is a young child in your life, you will see this progress where they are constantly changing at this pace that you never, you know, when you love somebody as an adult, they typically change gradually over time. And that can sometimes be sad too, but you don't get this sudden, like one day they are one and then the next day they're two. One day they have this certain laugh or this certain way of saying something or a certain thing that they love. And then the next day they suddenly don't. And that's like constantly happening for, for young kids. So, and that's part of the joy of it, that there's always new, a new kid to kind of be following in love with, but then you have this constant series of basically previous kids that you loved that stop existing rapidly. And 
it's very it's very strange it's it's delightful but also uh so it's, it's a little sad too yeah so i i my niece is three and uh and over the weekend uh it was my birthday and i had a, a birthday party and her mom told me first of all that coming to my birthday party was such a big deal for her that it was used as like a bribe thing oh like if you do this you can go to our ex birthday party well, or more like if you don't eat these vegetables, you, you can't go to the party. <laughs> yes. You know, and yeah. that sort of thing. And then when she showed up, uh, she first of all, she brought me a picture she had drawn me. It was my present. Aww. And then she told me uh, she had something that she wanted to tell me. And she said, I'm so happy that you were born. Ed. Wow. That's deep. Yeah. And I'm like, this kid is so delightful and wonderful. And I'm going to miss her. Yeah. You know, I like the next kid, like you said. Yeah. And she'll be fine, maybe. Yeah. Hopefully she'll be cool. But the current kid's pretty great. But the current kid's so great. And I I'm know. like, hmm, can we just kind of just lengthen this time a little? Because, you know, as an adult, time does kind of go by faster. Yeah. Because everything else is more same from time to time. Whereas to them, like, they are often having the most something they've ever had. Like, they'll react like, they'll eat something and they're like, this is the best thing I've ever tasted. And they have this huge reaction that seems kind of silly, but like maybe it is the best thing they've ever tasted in their entire life because they're two. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So anyway, so I just want to say you, you, first of all, it's a beautifully written piece. Everyone out there should go read it. But second of all, it will, it will, you're welcome, but it will tug at your heartstrings. Well, I'll link that in the show. If you're human. If you're human and or have young (laughs) kids. Some people don't have the thing. Like, you know, some people are more cat people or dog people or whatever. And yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. In a uh, in a funnier note, maybe uh, I just I, it, topical, uh, but also in sort of pseudo follow up to like me talking about Japanese things, <laughs> which is not really follow up, but you know, it could be a theme. There was a, a news story that my wife shared with me that uh, pop singer Ariana Grande uh, got a new tattoo and. She supposedly got Seven Rings, which is the name of her apparently new song in Japanese. Uh-oh, but no. in fact, it is missing several characters that would make it say Seven no. Rings. So while technically it is the character for Seven and the character for Wheel, uh, combined that actually means uh, a small charcoal grill. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Uh, she claims, it's on her hand, so she claims, first of all, that it's probably going to fade, but also she claims that it's okay because she likes, she's a huge fan of tiny barbecue grills. Hey, well, yeah, then it worked out. It's a good way to roll with it. Sometimes pleasant things like that happen. But I just want to give a PSA. If you are getting a tattoo, and I know people do this, if you are getting a tattoo in a language you don't speak or read, just be careful out there. That's all I'm saying. That, uh, unfortunately, can even be a problem for languages that you do read. Occasionally, it's you'll true. get the the whole the English word, missing a letter, typo, tattoo, and uh, uh, that, that that hurts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it also probably hurts, but it like hurts way, way more when you went through that in order to, <laughs> in order to have, <laughs> uh, instead of mom, it says mem or something. Yeah, it's, it's no oh, good. Oh, my God. Yeah, there's an R slash on Reddit, which you shouldn't go to. But if you did go to not going to you could go to R slash bad <laughs> tattoos. Oh, yeah, I know about that. No. Nope. Yeah, it makes you sad. Yeah. Uh, it's, the rule is you don't have them draw at the teeth. That's a rule for tattoos. Oh, my goodness. Because yeah. teeth just I don't want to think about yeah, that. They, well, you outline them in black and then they don't look healthy. It's no, hard. it's very it's difficult. I mean, extremely disturbing. A very talented tattoo artist can do good teeth, but like when yeah. in doubt, just, you know, make them smile without the teeth uh, as being individually <laughs> outlined. 
I'll say this, and you, it can happen no matter what the circumstances are, but in general, tattoos are not something where you want to be bargain shopping. No, and I think that probably there's a bit of profit taking in, I would assume, the top-end tattoo artists are maybe... Uh, you know, demanding a lot as far as, you know, both money as well as like, oh, you, you know, I know that there's better known or respected tattoo artists that say, well, if you want me to do your tattoo, you have to like convince me that I want to do this art or whatever. You can't just come in and say, you know, do barbed wire around my forehead and they'll just be like, go away. (laughs) (laughs) Stop calling Post Malone. (laughs) So we have some follow up. Ooh. Uh, not as much as you know now we're kind of caught up i think f- for the most part um, but a couple yeah we did we did a bunch of episodes at the same time you're gonna you know yeah and there's actually kind of i think it's Rob, the ones i have are two mainly about the same thing which was of all the things we talked about last episode <laughs> was i was talking about uh replacing the toilet flush lever uh in our place with you know the five dollar one broke um and how we got like a 12 dollar one and it was so much better um and so the two pieces of follow one was uh from friend of the show casey liss uh pointed out that uh or just wrote in to inform us that while he was listening to the show he was in the happened to be in the middle of replacing his own toilet flusher and he chose poorly he chose poorly he realized it sort of in the middle of it that replacing his five dollar toilet flusher with a five dollar toilet flusher was you know, a doomed mistake. A lateral move, we'll a, say. A lateral move, and yeah. uh, that he missed an opportunity. To upgrade. Yeah, to upgrade. And so uh, so happy to be spreading the gospel there. Uh, and also always fun to hear those, oh, while I was listening to the show, I was doing this relevant thing. Yeah. I'm also fascinated by, as we spoke of last time, any situation, I think you said you were also fascinated, situations where the the the, the that little of a price difference is is like the upgrade. You know, you, you double the cost, but you're still only going for five to ten dollars. But the quality increase might be dramatic. Yeah, my guess would be and he referred to it as the Rolls Rolls Royce of, of toilet flushers, which uh, I'm sure there probably is like a two hundred dollar toilet flusher. I doubt it's as much better as like the five dollar to the twelve dollar one went from right. feeling like right. you kind of wiggle it. And then like there was like an on the five dollar one, there's like an inch of wiggle that does nothing. <laughs> you know, like it just kind of jungles around yeah. and then you push far enough and then it engages where like. The twelve dollar one is like a little spring, and so as soon as you start pushing, it's like, yeah, I'm I'm starting to actually do some work yeah. here. I think the important one is just that you match up your your handle to your flap if you have a flapper style toilet situation, and you don't uh, mix and match. Uh, how do you mean? Well, like in my situation, and I don't remember if I mentioned this on the show last time, so if I did, I'm sorry. But basically, the problem we had was that we had a the thing that actually traps the air and does the flushing. Yeah. Uh, was not the same brand or same setup as the handle. Mm. And so the handle had been like bent to accommodate it. Right. And like wasn't aligned properly because they gotten it was a, it's pretty fancy. It's like a like the 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 way it works is pretty fancy. And so the the chain needs to be like perfectly aligned over this. This is the one of the ones that tries to like use water pressure to like pressurize itself. So when you push a button, it goes. Whoosh. Yes. And so it uses less water for the same task. Yes. It's like a low, low uh, volume situation but it's you know because of that it's much more complicated and so these well-meaning people who lived in the uh, house before us replaced it with just whatever probably the five dollar uh, option and that made it actually be leaking and uh, thus causing yeah. me all that money we discussed about so rolling into then the second toilet lever related <laughs> follow-up was the question of which what was the 12 dollar toilet flusher lever and so i was able to actually find it um, on Amazon and uh, I'll link it up. It was the Corky five 
0.051 BP strong arm tank lever, uh, which I'm sure you were all just could not. That these last two we- weeks, you were all just. <laughs> oh, I can't believe you didn't mention. Um, and so I believe it supports all the the different kind of ones, uh, including the ones where it goes whoosh. So we'll add that to the show notes. Did you did you have to go? Let's let the people know. Did you have to go to Point Robert Washington to purchase it? No, I got it from Home Depot. Okay, which I think they have in in America. A, oh, they do. Yeah. yeah, it's fourteen dollars. Oh, I'm gonna have to go back and edit that previous episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could get it used and new for eleven fifty eight. So I think I think you're fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. If anyone else has any other follow up toilet lever related or otherwise, you can hit us up at Fun Fact FM on Twitter or Fun Fact FM on the internet. Or if you would like to leave us some nice thoughts, you can do so on the iTunes podcast page. We do read them, and we really appreciate them. Yeah, and apparently it helps uh, the system recommend it to other people who might like to to hear the show. Although, apparently, looking at the stats, the majority of our listeners right now use Overcast, the excellent third-party podcast app. So maybe if you star it in there, I think there is a little bit of an algorithm there. If you people add, it tries, tries to see other people that you have on Twitter. It recommends based on that, so that could be helpful, too. Thank you very much. So, fun fact, since 1942, Canada has had an official food guide, and as of this month, it is now pretty good. Yeah, I'm super excited to hear about this. Uh, The U.S. has a food guide, and as far as I know, it's still awful. Yeah, so (laughs) So, it's interesting. So, I didn't realize how much there was to making these food guides. So, uh, I I mean, it's I don't know, maybe it also is in the States, but the the Canada food guide is kind of like a one of those artifacts of Canadian culture. It's the apparently the number two most requested document from the government after the tax forms. Um, so wow. it's in like all the schools and not just like home app, it's home app, but it's one of those things you just kind of see stuck on someone's uh, fridge or like the doctor will send someone home with it and that kind of stuff. So um, it's a, you know, it's a document that's really difficult to design though, because the more information is in it, the less likely people are going to do the most important things. Um, and so the Canadian guide has changed to actually there is a U.S. guide um, that has also relatively recently changed to have this format, which is instead of being like, you know, the previous ones are like a pyramid or like a, a radial thing that tries to say like, oh, try to eat lots of this and less of this and less of this. But but it doesn't necessarily do so in a proportional way um they, they would say like oh eat 11 servings of carbs which also is a bad idea as well as like <laughs> what is 11 servings exactly right um so the new system is a plate that is just actually a nice photo of some various foods that might be a good idea try to try to eat in certain proportions and the text with it instead of being a whole bunch of uh detailed guidelines just says have plenty of vegetables and fruits eat protein foods choose whole grains and make water your drink of choice and that's a pretty good start i think i think it's a great start especially in comparison to i saw on twitter and we'll put a link to the show notes you posted also the previous food guide from canada which uh was not as good yeah they had evaporated milk <laughs> well it was one yeah. of those like okay a lot of bread the, the, a lot of white bread well, yeah a bunch of white bread and like deli ham and a stuff starch. like that yeah and yeah. The the tendency has been to say, okay, there's divide up food by food groups and say have a balance in between them that you should have some fruits and vegetables, some 
carbs, uh, grains, some meat, some dairy. But modern food science has kind of realized, well, like, dairy isn't a thing you need. It's this weird artifact of the modern farm industrial complex that we have lots of cows and we take their milk and we put it into our bodies and it has some nutritional advantages and disadvantages. But like, if you don't have any dairy, you will be fine, especially if you are an adult. Yeah, I don't eat any dairy because I am lactose intolerant. Sure, and you have not died. Yeah, and not not yet. Uh, I would like to point out, by the way, on the, I just noticed this on the old food guide. Do you have that pulled up? Yeah, I can bring that up. So uh, most of the products are labeled with like sort of a fake word thing that isn't really any alphabet. I don't think. I think it's just kind of symbols yeah, I that sort of that. work like. It almost looks a little Russian. Uh, kind of, but I don't think it is. I think it's just nothing. But I want to point out two things. First of all, it says evap milk. Yeah, because it couldn't fit evaporated milk. <laughs> yeah, and that makes sense. But take a look at the top portion of the dairy section and tell me if you see anything that looks a little weird. Well, there's yogurt that specifically says 2.2% yogurt. There is. And yogurt is spelled yogurt. Oh, well, that's a whole nother thing. That's a... Is that a Canadian spelling for yogurt? The spelling of yogurt thing is one of those... I think there's like four different regionalized... Like, I wouldn't spell yogurt that way, but it doesn't look weird to my eye. Really? I have never seen it... Oh, common on product labels in Canada because it is valid in both English and French. Mm, mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And therefore, they get around the law you have where everything has to be do you know bilingual. Yeah, that's it. So people may not know. Fun fact: all labeling of products in Canada, if they're to be sold nationally, needs to be in English and French. Even if yes. like here, there's not really any French speakers. And so, if there's any way they can label something that is a word that works in English and French, it becomes a lot more popular here. So, like one common thing is like original is a is a word that is in English and French. And so a lot of things that might be called classic in the States, instead of it being classic slash classique, it says original and then just says original in English and French. So that's a that's a branding tip if you're m- making any labels for Canadian uh, retail products. Yeah, I've always found it hilarious to be in British Columbia and to see everything in French uh, when we, you are A, nowhere near Quebec, and B, as you pointed out, there are not like a preponderance of French speakers in the area. But um, but it's cool, and uh, and that is a cool explanation, and I learned something uh, unexpectedly, which is always nice. So how would you spell yogurt? Y-O-G-U-R-T. Yeah, that's but what... But some people spell it with an H, right? Yeah, like Y-O-G-H-O-U-R-T. Is no, like a, I think it's H-U-R-T. Is yeah, it? well, there's also Y-O-G-H-U-R-T, and then the French way yeah. that also is valid in Canada is Y-O-G-O-U-R-T, which I would never huh. write, but reading it doesn't seem strange at all. Yeah, it, that one looks strange to me. By the way, yogurt comes from Turkish. Hmm, yeah. It's one hmm. of those... Uh, I've stored some milk in a, a camel bladder or something and next thing you know hey I th- I, i've got yogurt now we should do yeah we one of us should look up the actual uh history of yogurt i'm but pretty sure it was storing milk and i <laughs> i don't know that kind of thing i'm not not commenting on that uh i did want to say about your about your current food guide though that um a few months ago uh, my wife and i uh hired a uh, uh one of the other moms from my niece's uh, preschool, which who is also a professional nutritionist. We hired her to come and give us some sort of nutrition lessons. 
um, which was really cool. And I, um, if you have that opportunity, I would recommend it. But but she at different times drew us a plate of what our meals should basically look like, and it really was very very similar to this Canadian uh, food plate. So I thought that was cool. Yeah. So just we'll link it in the show notes, but quickly. What the plate looks like is half of it is fruits and vegetables, uh, more vegetables than fruit, um, but there's a, a couple apples and some berries on there. Um, and then a quarter of it is what it's labeled as protein foods. And there's a nice mix of a little bit of meat and some egg and some a uh, little bit of like a little bit of, I think, yogurt or, or something like that uh, and some salmon and just kind of like what you would think of as, you know, in nuts, like just a nice mix of protein that's not uh, focused and tofu and stuff like that. And then the other quarter is whole grains. So, uh, brown rice and, uh, uh, some pasta, but it's whole grain pasta, you can tell, and some brown bread. And so this is an interesting, like, it's a big change from previously where it was kind of advocating, you should eat at least this much meat. You should eat at least this much dairy, which isn't, the science doesn't say that it's like, you should have this much protein. You should have this much, uh, fiber really is, is where the, and you, you have kind of a calorie budget. And if you're going to spend it in a way that actually you get your nutrition, you're going to have to probably allocate more towards filling things that don't have a whole bunch of calories and things that have more nutrients. And that's going to be more like this. Yeah. The main things that she was talking about were like, uh, definitely go for whole grains because the way that they, make like white rice and white bread and stuff removes the uh the fibrous parts of the the stuff basically and so it breaks down into sugar much more quickly in your bloodstream which is not good for you um like the basically the kernel around the rice and the and the thing around the grain takes makes it take longer to break down and therefore it kind of releases the energy more slowly you don't get these like sugar highs and crashes and things um and the other thing was that fat does not make you fat Yes. I used to think for a long time until pretty recently that when you got fat, there was literally fat you ate that stayed. Most people think that and it's not true. Yeah. You have to actually burn the fat, turn it into sugar, and then your body turns it back into fat. And so the fat, like, like that's obvious when you think about it. Like otherwise, like what I have some bacon now, there's some pig fat just in me. Like that's horrible. (laughs) Right. And there are a whole bunch of like biomechanical reasons why that would be and how did it get from inside my side? Like when you start thinking about it, it doesn't make sense, but it's one of those no, yeah, uh-huh. things as a kid that you don't criticize or think critically about. And then you just kind of realize that you still think that. And as you and I both grew up in roughly the same uh, era, we both lived through the the only problem is fat era mm-hmm. where people were eating just the most ridiculously unhealthy, like snack wells. I don't know if you had that in oh, Canada. Yeah. That yeah. kind of thing. So for those of you who don't remember Snackwells or don't are not from the US or Canada, Snackwells were a cookie product who claimed to be 0% fat and therefore healthy, but they were like a million calories and entirely carbs and super bad for you, but they sold a lot of Snackwells. Or this huge wave of 0% like skim milk yogurt that had a ton of sugar added to it. And so yeah. Yeah. Uh, like something that is, I mean, the science is still evolving and will always be evolving with nutrition because you can't really do like an AB blind thing where you feed half the people garbage and the other half the people good things. And then how much more do they die? Can we? (laughs) Yeah. Maybe, maybe in some (laughs) countries they can do it, but because of that, it will always be learning. But one of the things that didn't used to be talked about a lot and increasingly, and you were just talking about a bit is this, when we have two different foods and they maybe even have, obviously whole grains have more nutrition in them, but even if they didn't have more like nutrition and fiber, Uh, like and that's good for you for other reasons just the fact that your body digests something really quickly and then you have a a blood sugar 
spike and then crash is you know hard on your system it's kind of just bad to have the spikes and crashes for you know not wanting to get diabetes and stuff but it also means that you're going to be hungry sooner and so you're going to be more inclined to do that again soon and that's something that when you're thinking about okay my goal is uh minimize fat and you know that's really undermined when the consequences then you start eating a bunch of refined sugar so um so I like this this food guide update, um, and it's definitely a lot better than the previous one. Uh, in, interestingly, like a couple of interesting things about it. One is that the dairy and meat industries do not like this new world where there is not... What a shock. What a shock. Um, and so it was actually kind of politically, and there's a bit of a media battle, uh, both in the States and Canada, when they're trying to revise their food guides, where it wasn't going to be like, hey, you should eat at least this much dairy and you should eat at least this much meat because those are big lobbies in, in both countries. And in Canada, they kind of managed to power through it and just say like, sorry, like, yeah, there's going to be like a little tiny bit of yogurt in our protein foods section, but we're no longer going to tell people that they should necessarily eat dairy. It's just a means to an end, which is protein, which you need some of, but honestly, you probably actually have enough of. Um, in the States, though, in their equivalent update, have you seen this? Have you seen this? Uh, the American version of the of the plate thing? uh the my plate thing yeah the my plate i haven't seen it let me look it up so this I was, is i wanted to look at this it. is the american's version of the plate metaphor which came out a couple years ago and oh we have five groups yeah you have five groups and so the plate is divided uh into 30 percent grains 30 percent vegetables 20 percent fruits and 20 percent protein uh and then over the side there's just a circle that says dairy <laughs> And it's like it's it's not part of your diet, but no, it, no, no, no. It needs to be on this chart because reasons. Yeah, um, you know what it's like. It's like when uh, when cereal companies would have the part of a balanced mm, breakfast, mm-hmm. and it would be like the cereal and then fifty other things. Yes, which because that was the only way that it made up a healthy breakfast. Exactly. Uh, and so this is one of those and the dairy is there it's just kind of floating we'll we'll link this yeah. uh my a bowl plate. of dairy who doesn't enjoy a nice bowl of dairy a nice bowl of dairy yeah um so that that's that the dairy lobby pulled one last I, I imagine the next revision of the american one will lose the sort of floating dairy there um but it's still the still alive affecting the national policy and then the other part of this that i thought was interesting is that as part of revising these both in canada and states uh this year they're revising the food nutrition labels so this is the uh in in canada and the states actually they they have reasons to actually try to keep them relatively similar because we share a lot of uh products and commerce in between the two countries um and and also the science is based on the same science so they have a lot of the same changes so in both countries making calories uh big and bold not like because in the current nutrition labels and old ones the calories entry is just the same font size as like the protein and the amount of vitamin a and everything and so in the new one it's substantially bigger and bolder than anything else on the label which i think is a good change from my understanding Uh, the portion sizes are larger um, so there's like more in beer font. Um, they have a percent daily value for sugar, whereas previously just said, yeah, 23 grams of sugar. You know, that might be good or not or whatever. Just <laughs> make that call for yourself. Um, and something I thought was interesting is they removed both in Canada and U.S. labels. They've removed vitamin A and vitamin C from the nutrition label entirely because people were getting plenty. So and like no one's going around with like vitamin C division when no one's getting scurvy nobody's getting scurvy scurvy is not really a thing yeah so they're actually removing those and they put in uh, potassium which is something that uh, a lot of people are short on um and that's going to be on a label 
uh, coming to you. And one thing that is on the Canadian label that's not on the U.S. label that I think is good is that uh, it says, it'll note at the bottom, 15% or more is a lot. Yeah. I mean, I could do a whole rant about the still how bad the U.S., certainly the U.S. labels are. I mean, the tricks that they allow, like, yeah, everything looks great, but this there's 27 servings in this bag of chips that is clearly, you know, a single serving bag or the fact that they can still say natural flavors, which they do not have to specify what is. So you end up in situations where things like hostess fruit pies actually have beef fat in them um, or uh, the fact that they don't have to label whether anything is vegetarian or vegan, which in the UK, for example, it always says on both those things or certain allergies or you know, um, all these things, but still change for the better. All of that sounds like good stuff. It's definitely getting better. And I'm both in the Canada and the U S guides in the new one, in the nutrition facts that's updating. They've both updated the serving sizes to be more realistic. Um, yeah, that sounds the best thing that I'm really excited about that. Yeah. Because a lot of them, like you say, it'll say, you'll look at it and well, so famous one, I'm interested to see what the new one is. The famous one in Canada is a box of Kraft dinner, which, uh, I think they sell in the States called Kraft macaroni and cheese. Uh, you call it Kraft dinner? You didn't know that? It's like... No. Okay. What? Okay. So this is a fun fact. In Canada, Kraft macaroni and cheese is referred to as Kraft dinner, and it is probably the number one consumed retail good by college students uh, across the nation. Wow. So it's not a ramen thing in, in Canada for college There's students. definitely lots of ramen for sure, but yeah. the most stereotypical thing uh, mac and cheese. Is, the, is the mac and cheese, but we would never... Why is it not called mac and cheese? Uh, I mean... Like if if you said, someone said mac and cheese, they would like know what you meant. But if they said okay. mac and cheese, they would probably assume you meant like off brand, like homemade, off brand, oh, off brand. <laughs> well, you know, there's a various like Stacy's and the President's Choice. You know, have that in the states, but you have different no. brands of craft dinner. Craft <laughs> dinner. Um, okay. Well, I guess I know what's for dinner. Uh, yeah, well, what's for dinner is an entire box of Kraft Dinner, which right. <laughs> says on the box, uh, you know, serving size one quarter of a box, which is because no. it's intended, I mean, it was originally designed as a side, right? So you have like an actual meal closer to the plate and then you have a little yeah. bit of Kraft Dinner oh, on the side. Oh, oh, wait. No, no, sir. You cannot call something dinner and then originally think it's a side. Yeah. So that's a little, that's kind of given the game away, right? If yeah. you say, hey, have this for dinner, serving size, one quarter of a box. One and quarter that's like, of a box. You know, whatever. Like a, <laughs> that's like a tiny amount that you might enjoy. Yeah, exactly. And so yeah. the <laughs> actual the actual calories of the box I know is more than a thousand calories in a box of craft dinner. Um, wow. And it's like more than i think probably more than 50 percent of your sodium too um and oh, so yeah. yeah it's always high in salt if you have any like willpower you know to like either not eat the whole box if you make because you can't make half the box too and like if there's you're having people over you're probably not making a bunch of crap dinner right you're probably <laughs> right you're probably making crap dinner by yourself <laughs> so they have these like you know other <laughs> formats you can get smaller amounts or whatever but most people the cheapest thing is you just buy a box of crap dinner and then like pay, play chicken with like okay do i make half the noodles do i make two thirds of the noodles and then of course you you have the packet of the sauce powder and like do you oh, yeah. put all the powder in anyway of course so then it's just super cheesy at least you're still probably getting less garbage anyway my point of that is that i will be <laughs> watching to see if the nutrition facts on craft dinner admits that yeah you're probably going to eat more than a quarter of a box for dinner my other big problem with the serving sizes um is this two bite brownie do you know these 
Nope. Okay. Uh, I don't know that it's a, I don't think it's a Canadian thing. So a two bite brownie is this little brownie that's maybe about an inch and a half by an inch and a half kind of spheroid. Uh, Their website is twobite.ca. So. Oh. Huh. I didn't know. Okay. So it's a Canadian thing. So these things, I'm sure you have an equivalent. Like look at them and you see like, like little brownies you can get from like this deli count area. Of yeah, the they're, 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 they're mini brownies. Yeah, little mini brownies that you can get. And these are delicious and amazing. Uh, <laughs> they do look And so you should, good. I mean, I, I assume there's an American equivalent, but uh, if, if not, and either way, I'll maybe we'll have some at some point. But the great thing about these is that they are mostly made of oil. <laughs> oh. Um, so they are super soft. And like, even when you open the package, they stay soft. Uh, the great thing isn't the fact they're made out of oil. That's horrible, but it's the the consequence of it. Um, and so because of that, they are 110 calories per brownie. And these things are like an inch and in, like they're tiny. Right? Yeah, they're tiny. And so on the bag, it says serving size two brownies is 220 calories and 18% uh, of your saturated fat. And so you're like, okay, well, <laughs> oh you know, like you look at it and you're like, well, it's a treat, 220 calories, you know, uh, that's, you know, maybe not like super bad. Um, but you, the serving size is totally like, I don't know anybody that only has two, two bite brownies, or at least they take, they must taste them in a different way than I, I do. I mean, that is four they. bites of eating. There's only four bites, right? Yeah. You know, so more often for me, I'd be, I will get three out of the bag and eat them and put the bag away and then come back and get three more. Right. I don't know why, but I find it really amusing that, oh, first of all, apparently they are sold in the U.S. according to their website. I have never seen them, so I don't know where they're sold. But also on their website, they have a fact. And one of the fact items is, do you make gluten-free products? And their answer is, two bite, registered trademark, does not make gluten-free products. And I don't know why, but I find that really funny. <laughs> like, why even have that on your back? I, I mean, I'm prob- often you see these <laughs> frequently asked questions then you look at them and you're like, no one asked that question. Like, but I think this one, I think they're sick of hearing the question. Yeah, I firmly believe people ask it. But if your answer is no, I don't know. Just unusual for a corporation to just be like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> like they, it should just say nope, period. I mean, this is one of those, like, trying to make two-bite brownies, like, less unhealthy for you is, it's a losing battle. Yeah. And so my six two-bite brownies, like, I get three and then I have three more. And that feels... I mean, often I could eat more, but then I feel like pretty satisfied. That is 54% of your daily saturated fat. That's crazy. And also 660 calories, which is way more than a Big Mac. <laughs> so in a similar vein, uh, I have a, a fact to share with you. Okay. I'm excited. Uh, and it was uh, it was brought to us by my mother-in-law. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. And uh, so the original article is in German. Uh, so I will link to that and a trans, you know, Google translate version of it. Um, I translated it and then ran the translation by my wife to make sure that I was not like missing something. Mm -hmm. Uh, but basically it's this fun fact. Germans are very serious about their beverage laws. Hmm. This is like the, the, I know about the purity, the beer purity. Yes. This is not the beer, beer purity. So there is a company in Hamburg, Germany and they sell an organic and fair trade lemonade product that they very cleverly call Lemonade, like A-I-D, Lemonade. And they donate a portion of every sale to charity. Sound like a great company. I'm sure it's a delightful drink. Uh, but the company recently received a letter from the Hamburg District Office stating that in order for a product to call itself Lemonade, it has to have at least 7% sugar by weight. Uh... Their product 
has 6% sugar by weight and therefore cannot legally be classified as lemonade. And they're being asked to make it worse for you. So the rough, the rough translation of what the government said was, provided that the recipe remains unchanged, only a descriptive designation can be used. The name of lemonade is not possible. And the, uh, the drink company said, uh, we've been selling these drinks with less sugar for years. In fact, we have other uh, versions that are even less sugar than that. And now you want to add more sugar to our products, make them less healthy so that we continue to sell it as lemonade. That is absurd. So now the company who prints the labels directly on the bottles, so it's actually not a really easy change for them to make either, can either make the drinks less healthy, add more sugar, or change the name and the description because they're not even allowed to use lemonade. Oh, because the brand, that's where, because if it was just like lemonade and then at the bottom it just says brand lemon flavored drink or whatever, then it's like, well, whatever. No. And they, and so they have to call it a soft drink instead, which which sounds way less healthy. Right. They think it would be bad for their business. They don't want to do it. And they don't want to change all their glass bottles. So they might go and sue the German government for the right to continue selling lemonade that's healthier than the other lemonade options available. Yeah, that seems like a a fight they could win, maybe, just because you could see... I mean, I imagine getting the German government to change a regulation is maybe more challenging than, than some other tasks. But the common sense of hey, this would, you know, the world would probably be better if you could have less sugar um, in lemonade. Well, and in fact, there there is a, a German initiative right now to lower the sugar in all drinks by like, I think like 15% by 2025, something like that. So I, 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 we'll, we'll, I will keep on top of this story and, and we'll do a follow-up uh, uh, when I, if I find out what happened. But I just think that there's something inherently hilarious about a company being required to add more sugar to their lemonade. Yeah, this is these like legal definitions of exact food types is one of those things that started for a good reason. Like people were mislabeling things. The or other direction, scam- right? Yeah, that, yeah well, not even just about food being more unhealthy than you'd think, but just it not being what it claims to be. It's not being yeah. a reasonable, you know, it says that it's uh, beef, but it's like inspired by beef or whatever. Um, or there's one of these things like if you, if you, you know, about this thing about seasoned chicken? No. Um, so if I'm pretty sure this is in America and Canada, it's definitely in the States that if you want to sell uh, chicken that has had spices and and water and, and stuff is processed, right? Like a, a, like a McDonald's would have a, a chicken nuggets or whatever, then you can still sell it not as chicken, but as seasoned chicken. As if it's almost like one word, like it's a. I see. That's like a different legal definition. Yeah, as long as it's at least a certain percentage chicken, which is like eighty something or ninety percent chicken, uh, and then the rest is a list of things that it can have. It can have flavors. It can have water. It can have, I think, certain fillers and binders and stuff like that, so that it is seasoned chicken. And then there was also there was some lawsuit about someone arguing whether or not. Like Taco Bell uh, chicken burritos actually had chicken, and it's like, oh yeah, no, because they would say like with 100% real seasoned chicken, and it's like, no, it's not 100% chicken, it's only 87% chicken, and they're like, no, 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 it is 100% real seasoned chicken, and then they went to court and lost because it turned out, yeah, it was 100% seasoned chicken, which is not itself 100% chicken. You know, presumably one of the things that you're not allowed to have in there is rubber. And there is a <laughs> recall on uh, 
on um, Tyson chicken nuggets here in the yes. States right now because they might be contaminated with rubber. So I do think it's good that we have those, those you know, those laws specifying exactly what. No one's, by the way, no one's gotten sick or anything like that. Luckily, they've caught it and it should be fine. But like, you know, these are just the things where I do agree, but I'm just not sure. I think when we get to the point of requiring companies to put more sugar in their lemonade, we've clearly uh, crossed over some sort of line. Uh, just as a fast follow-up here, apparently it was seasoned beef. That's the seasoned. In the specific oh, lawsuit, it was seasoned beef. In the, I remember the this. chicken, there's also that. But then the Taco Bell thing, it was seasoned beef. Yeah, was Taco Bell also got caught, you know, claiming that they were vegetarian when they were putting, like, beef fat in their beans and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, there's just you know. the, like, straight-up deception. But my understanding of the seasoned beef thing in this case it was just a was naming the, issue. Yeah, according to the USDA, we can sell seasoned beef, and we can say it's 100% seasoned beef because... It's 100% seasoned beef, which is itself seasoned been, beef. Yeah, it's defined as <laughs> this like nested thing. Yeah, as long as you never find anywhere where they forgot to put the seasoned on, then you're good. Then you're fine. Yeah, and I'm sure there's yeah. a legal department that runs around chasing. Chasing non-seasoned beef claimers. Yeah, because, you know, you don't yeah. want a lawsuit. Yeah. Um, okay, well, I've got another, we're kind of talking about uh, what you're technically allowed, how you're allowed to market things. Um, so I think I have a related fun fact on that. And this is also uh, kind of a, th- a theme to a degree on the show, which is schemes. Mm, we do like a good scheme. We like a good scheme. Uh, yeah. And so fun fact, there was for many years an unauthorized Trader Joe's outlet in Vancouver called Pirate Joe's. Really? Yeah. That, that's a great name for an unauthorized Trader Joe's outlet. Yeah, because... I mean, it's kind of exactly what it sounds like. It's not, yeah. it's, it's sort of, to me, implies, okay, this isn't real. This is not officially a Trader Joe's, um, even though they kind of use sort of the same coloration for the logo and stuff like that. But sure. for years, this guy uh, in, in Vancouver would drive down on a regular basis with like a panel van and stock up on like $10,000 of Trader Joe's stuff. So for anyone, I think most of America has Trader Joe's, but it's just like a specialty grocery store that has mostly their own store brand stuff. And so they only have them in the United States. So in Canada, there's people who would try something or maybe move uh, to Canada. Um, either way, want some of this Trader Joe's stuff, but it's annoying to go down to the States just to get like this one fro- frozen dinner or uh, can of sauce or something like that. And so this guy would go down and he would buy a whole bunch of Trader Joe's stuff and he would come back and he would sell it. And um, this was apparently not very popular by uh from trader, trader joe's headquarters was not happy about it at all do you by the way do you know that trader joe's is a german company it's own yeah it was originally an american company and then got bought by a supermarket chain family. got bought by the aldi yeah the aldi chain uh well aldi nord the the uh the aldi brothers started this supermarket chain in germany i think originally together and then they kind of uh were not friends anymore and so they split it into aldi and aldi nord uh, north and south and uh at any rate in uh 1979 they aldi nord acquired trader joe's yeah okay well yeah. maybe maybe it's the secrecy of the the aldi nord <laughs> mafia <laughs> but whatever it was they and i think they're kind of an infamously secret company um yeah they did not like that this guy was selling trader joe's stuff and they immediately tried to sue him for like false advertising uh, and and to shut him down. And they also started banning him from the stores. And so he was going in like in disguise and like driving further and further. Uh, apparently one time he uh, cross-dressed to try and 
like get in, which like got him into the Trader Joe's, but he was so suspiciously, I guess, I don't know, somebody called the police on him because they thought he was really suspicious, <laughs> whatever he was doing, not even associated with Trader Joe's, just like a person found him to be uh, questionable. So this was a problem trying to get the stock because Trader Joe's, basically his only supplier was like actively hostile. Like, right. Have you seen this man posters and things like that? Um, so they sued for trademark infringement. Um, and like, funnily the, the court found in this guy's favor because they were like, well, you're not being harmed by someone driving down and buying tens of thousands of dollars, like over the years, like millions of dollars of your stuff and then going and then reselling it in a country that you don't even operate. So basically F off, um, which is great, except then of course they doubled down and appealed and like, you know, got more expensive lawyers and put more and more, uh, difficulty on this guy trying to buy the, buy the stuff. And so, uh, last year they ended up closing the store basically cause he couldn't like, he couldn't juggle the legal costs and the increasing costs to actually get the food that he was trying to sell. And it ended up being kind of a, um, a bum deal, but so at some point, apparently, according to, I, I, I was fascinated by this, so I went to the, the Wikipedia page about it. Apparently, he also changed the name at one point from Pirate Joe's to Irate Joe's. Yeah, he took down the he took down the P because he was in this like battle and it was in the news right. and he was angry about it. And so it said Pirate and he just take, took down the P and you could see. And it's still last time I was down that that end of of town, this storefront was still there. It hadn't been replaced by anything. And you could see the P was still in the window. Uh, and then the rest said irate Joe's, but it's like irate Joe's. So it's pretty funny. It reminds me of um, where in Israel, uh, there was a fast food chain called McDavid's. And when McDonald's decided to open restaurants in Israel, mm. they were like, mm, no, mm-mm. you definitely clearly did that to, you know, as a pun on our name. But uh, McDavid's actually won because McDonald's didn't have a trademark in Israel at the time when McDavid's opened, right? Uh, so they had no they they had no legal recourse. Um, and but in the end, uh, McDavid's just really wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. So um, I believe there is, uh, is like one McDavid's left in Israel, maybe. But it, McDonald's has completely crushed them. Were just they by trying to be better. like McDonald's? Like, were they doing oh, a yeah. two-tiered burger with? Like- no, no, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> it was That's absolutely a, a McDonald's uh, ripoff. Uh, and I, I don't remember uh, to exactly what. Uh, you know, level of, of sort of slavishness they were to the, to the concept. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, uh oh, apparently there, a uh, quick fast follow up by me. Uh, there is one location left. Uh, it was for, there were like 28 of them at one point, which I mean, you know, Israel is a very small country. So that is a lot of restaurants. I enjoy these, like, um, I mean, I, I am a little angsty about it. Cause on one hand, it is sort of stupid that people are cashing in on other companies and brands work and value. It's just, you know, it's not classy, but I find it entertaining. Like, ha, big, you know, profitable, rich company has to deal with this troll basically. Um, and one of the ones that has come up recently is this, uh, do you know about the Italian Supreme? No, I want to know about that. Let me just put a pin in the in the McDavid's thing by saying that um, apparently <laughs> McDonald's sued them when they, when McDonald's originally sued them over name infringement. McDavid claimed that the name was dissimilar, but stopped serving Big Macs. <laughs> 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 so 
So sorry, I just felt like that was too good of a detail. What are you talking about? And just like yeah, shoving wait, wait, the Big wait, wait, Macs uh, into a bag in the back. <laughs> like, don't, you don't have any of the. <laughs> so okay, what was it? Was it Italian Supreme? Okay, so first off, do you know about Supreme? The uh the the skate skate brand yeah or I think they call it I think streetwear is the term we're supposed to oh for, but yeah me. skate brand street streetwear yeah. brand yeah it's a streetwear it's a it's a prominent streetwear band that people lose their minds over like yeah. people will wait online forever to get like a like a sticker yeah because they do they do these like limited runs of and it, you've probably seen even if people are all seen like yeah. uh into streetwear or b- wouldn't buy it or really seen it for sale even but you see this logo which is basically just a red rectangle with the word supreme in like a future kind of font yeah um yeah and so they have charged extremely high prices for basically just like a teenage shirt that says supreme on it in a red rectangle um because it's fashion and they do these limited runs and that's the way fashion works and they uh have kind of exploded in the last few years into this global brand but they were too slow on pulling the trigger of getting their trademark in italy so in italy there is a company called supreme italia and they don't just have the name they're doing the mcdavid's thing where they have exactly merchandise with the red rectangle which is basically just a copy paste of the brand that it's like because if you're a streetwear brand if you're like a one of these clothing companies especially ones where most of your stuff is really just featuring the logo then your main asset is the right to use that logo like that's basically what your company is based on you have millions of dollars of revenue and all these employees or whatever on the idea of we made this logo mean something and in italy yeah, I mean, I, 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 I don't think it's come to Italy, like Supreme Italia, trying to stop real Supreme from selling stuff in Italy. But <laughs> Supreme Italia is definitely selling fake Supreme stuff outside of Italy. Like it's like yeah. spreading around the EU and the world. And this like was totally off my radar because like I'm not buying streetwear from Italy. But it came up recently when Samsung announced that they had a partnership with Supreme where they could have Supreme branded phones. And it came no. out that it was actually the Supreme Italian? Italian Supreme that no. has the same logo that they had a, a deal with. Uh, and not, oh the my real, God. not the real actual one that can legally sell Supreme stuff in most countries. Supreme, by the way, Supreme Italia has a much better website than Supreme. Uh, is it the real Supreme one, one of those like intentionally bad ones? It's like so bad. Yeah, I'm pretty, it has to be intentional. Yeah, Supreme Italia is like a proper, you know, website that's amazing that's so i think i had heard i remember it vaguely but the the details are great yeah the the official supreme website is one of these uh are you familiar with this idea of brutalist web design i am yeah so it's one of those which is basically this idea of make things really like retro simple with almost no uh anything no ornamentation uh almost like it could be a website from 20 years ago um and it just has like almost nothing on it which i i am very i have a lot of mixed feelings about this like type of design because on one hand a simple website that loads really quickly and is text oriented and has links that actually like link to other stuff and isn't just 500 megabytes of slow loading animations and stuff is appealing to me like you click and you read the stuff you want to read um but a lot of the stuff associated with this brutalist web design is like intentionally bad images and like fonts. It's not just like using clean fonts, but just like 
oh well times new roman on a gray background with like a yeah. you know like rotating gif head it's and, tiny all the text is tiny yeah text is so, so small you can barely read it and like yeah it's it's we're trying to defend like a lot of the people I've seen advocate for this aesthetic or this type of design is like, oh, it's being, you know, clean and going to its roots or whatever. But then it mixes in this like trolley, like they claim it's not trolley, but I, I interpret it as like wink, except it's like purposely bad, which, yeah. you know, that I mean, if you're supreme and your whole thing is about be really just branding and marketing and it's not about trying to be uh, a content site or a product that people use then being purposely bad can be a feature but um to me it kind of grinds my gears yeah yeah agreed okay i have a fun fact for you that has nothing to do with any of the things we've been talking about hit me fun fact napoleon wasn't short really really was this one of those like oh well everyone was short so he was no so <laughs> it's more interesting than that. So I will say this. All of the information about this is hard to reconcile because every site I looked at about this gives slightly different information. They all agree on the basics, but the exact details are not uh, reconcilable. So you so, went to the library, did, got, did some original research, <laughs> went exactly. into co- contemporary things from the 1800s. Exactly. We're going to break some ground here. Yeah. So um, his exact height is, like I said, a little bit confusing, but he was somewhere between five foot five and five foot seven, which probably sounds short still to most of the people listening to this. I did say he wasn't short, but in fact, the uh, average height of French men at the time was a lot shorter than it is today. And uh, as you said, he was uh, roughly either average or above average, depending on which one of those heights you prefer. Um, but basically most, most people agree that he was either slightly above average or significantly above average in height. Um, and so then the question that I have is, okay, uh, I believe that why do we all immediately think that he was short? Uh, and there are a couple reasons that I've been able to find for this. The primary reason is a technical one, which is that, and I, I, I'm, this is one of those details where it's like not surprising, but at the same time, I'm like, oh my goodness, uh, the French inch of that era of history was larger than the English inch. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. So the French inch was 2.7 centimeters, and the English inch was 2.54 centimeters. Uh, That's the kind of thing that would drive me to invent their metric system. Well, so Napoleon himself, in fact, did introduce a confusing measurement system of his own to France. Oh, great. And from like 1795, when the French Revolution was going on, till 1812, when the empire fell, there were three or four different measurement systems that were used because, you know, empire. And uh, there were also a lot of yardsticks left over from the Ancien Regime days and that measured in a completely different system. Some people were using metric. Some people were using Napoleon's uh, measurement use, useful measurement system, but not really. And some people were using the English system. So, like, every measurement you get is a little bit crazy. But um, he was measured with a, French, with a French system but reported in a sort of a neutral number that was then mistranslated into English. Uh, and then the other reasons are also kind of interesting. So uh, there was a lot of British propaganda from the era, the era that uh, you know they were fighting obviously a war with him, and they really liked to portray him as like a tiny maniac in mm-hmm. like the press at the time. And his nickname with his men was Le Petit Corporal, which was mistranslated to mean that he was little, like the small general. But apparently, but it's like a term of endearment. It's a term of endearment that it, that implied that he w- didn't take himself too seriously and had like a willingness mm. to pal around with ordinary soldiers, like he didn't put himself up on a pedestal. 
also he hired uh, these guys who were his elite guardsmen. And they were required to be at least six feet tall, which made him look shorter standing next to them. That's good. <laughs> and finally, um, uh, in the more modern times, uh, Leo Tolstoy, when he wrote War and Peace, he had fought against Napoleon Third, and therefore also apparently despised Napoleon I. And so when he wrote about him, he described him as the undersized Napoleon, the little man, childlike, all these kind of things. And then in the 20th century, uh, a psychotherapist named Alfred Adler was the one who came up with the short man's complex uh, and called it the Napoleon complex. Uh, um, uh, mm-hmm. And by the way, there is no consensus scientifically as to whether that complex even exists. I'd always I'd, I'd heard the term Napoleon complex, but I always thought it was an irrational desire to attack Russia. <laughs> that was what my read on it was i like that one better <laughs> I like that one better. so yeah napoleon bonaparte not short huh so he wasn't yeah. short i think i can i think i can handle that i can like reframe my world to handle a not short napoleon but yeah. please please tell me that napoleon would sometimes stand there looking cool with one hand in his coat <laughs> don't take that away from me no i won't take that away from you i mean that's like literally every painting okay so we think he did do that i believe that he did do that uh yes i don't believe that he did it while also being short right and the other takeaway is if you're gonna hire some elite guardsmen maybe make them short (laughs) and then you'll be make them shorter than you yeah i mean don't want them too short no no but actually become a logistics problem (laughs) fend off enemies (laughs) 